Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of The Hardy Wrestling Podcast with your girl Stephanie Hardy. If this is your first time listening, welcome and thank you for joining the ride. If this isn't your first time listening, thank you for staying on with me on this crazy journey we call um, professional wrestling. So I've got your news and gossipish and there is a whole lot going on that I really want to address. Um, <laughs> there's a whole lot of fun stuff going on ahead of Fastlane, which is Sunday and that's the last pay-per-view before WrestleMania. So there we go with that. And then I want to talk about AEW's historic um, women's main event involving Dr. Britt Baker, DMD and Thunder Rosa, who's been a guest on this show. And we're going to talk about how much his, you know, how much it actually means in terms of women's wrestling. And I'm going to talk about the weekly recap where I talk about everything that happened on Raw, NXT and SmackDown. So sit back, relax and catch the vibe and listen to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Right, so I got your news and gossip issue, and there's a lot to talk about. So we're gonna start with good news that Eric Bischoff has been announced as the new inductee into the 2021 um, Hall of Fame class in WWE. He found out the news um, was announced on Thursday on um, After the Bell, which is a podcast that um, the SmackDown commentator Corey Graves and Vic Joseph have. Um, They were doing an interview with him because it was um, Austin 316 day and he was telling stories about his experiences with Stone Cold Steve Austin and WCW. And they told him, you know, um, during the interview um, that he would go, that he's basically um, being bestowed this honor and he seemed really emotional about it and very um surprised by it definitely because it seems like they're catching these people by surprise in, in um interviews now as opposed to them doing like whole press releases and stuff so it was really cool to see him you know sort of you know feel you know all the emotions that come with being announced as a part of the hall of fame and it was really interesting to some people and surprising to some people seeing as eric bischoff had made some appearances on AEW television um, about maybe two times, two or three times. And um, this happened since he got fired from his one position that he had um, working as a producer backstage of SmackDown. And he only had that job for like a little while, but he got let go from it and replaced. um, And then he started showing up on AEW television. So a lot of people were really surprised that he was gonna be inducted into the Hall of Fame, but he is, and it's really um, cool. So, like I may have said before, the Hall of Fame ceremony is going to be streaming on Peacock on April the 6th, which is the week before WrestleMania, you know, pops off and everything. And if you know or if you may or may not know, um, Eric Bischoff had made made the move to WCW in 1991 as serving as an announcer with AWA and also as an announcer with WCW. But then he became executive producer in 1993 and then promoted to senior vice president of 1994 and that he was the driving force behind signing um people like excuse me macho man randy savage and um the racist formerly known as hulk hogan and so he basically also played a role in creating the nwo which comprised of um the racist formerly known as hulk hogan scott hall and kevin nash and he went on to join the group himself 
and he led WCW to beating WWE in the Monday Night War ratings for 83 consecutive weeks, marking the most sustained success any rival promotion had against WWE since Vince took control of the company in the 80s. And he even has a podcast, um, he even hosts a podcast called 83 Weeks, where he talks about, you know, everything that happened around that time. And then, of course, after WCW was bought in 2001, um, he made Eric Bischoff made his debut in 2002 and hugged Vince McMahon, which was very controversial at the time. And that um, and he became the general manager of Monday Night Raw from 2002 to 2005 and had one of probably the best rivalries with Stephanie McMahon, who was general manager of SmackDown at the time. And a lot of people kind of underrated because they did all kinds of gross jokes at each other that were kind of, you know, hot and bothered. But at the same time, it was still a pretty strong rivalry at the time um, that was still consistently held as opposed to SmackDown and Raw just deciding to beef when it's around Survivor Series time. But um, he's being inducted, so that's always a good thing. So congratulations to him. And um, also his classmate Molly Holly is being inducted as well with the other class members of last year because, of course, they didn't have a ceremony for the Hall of Fame due to the pandemic. Also in the news, we have um, the unfortunate um, situation regarding Andrade. Um, last week, I may have mentioned that Andrade um, was had basically said something on Instagram talking about how if you don't like where you are, you know, move because you're not a tree. So as it turns out, he really did want out of his um wwe contract he requested his release on monday that was a rumor but he confirmed that those rumors were absolutely true and he said the rumors are true and i don't know what the future holds but i want to make my dreams come true thank you for giving me so much support these last few days and then he um made the further he went on to make the statement in spanish as well but and then he didn't go into any specific details but it's kind of clear that he's not happy and he really hasn't been on television since October. And it's so sad because it's like I said earlier, he hadn't been, they didn't include him in the WWE draft. And it's like once Zelina Vega got let go due to her situation with the whole um, OnlyFans and Twitch thing, it's like he sort of had been kept off of television and nobody did anything with him and it and it and then also the rumor mill was churning and talking about how charlotte flair um tried to suggest something for him for him to do along with her because she sort of wanted to serve as like a little bit of a manager for him or maybe he is a manager for her because of course they're engaged but that was ultimately turned down and it's so sad because you would think that creative would find something to do with somebody as talented as he is he's a former nxt champion and a united states champion and some of the matches that he that all and basically all of the matches he had with Rey mysterio during the smackdown live era um, were some of the greatest matches I had ever seen. So you would think they would find something for him to do, but they just haven't, and it's just really sad. I thought maybe at the very least, maybe they would send him back to NXT, but they didn't, and it's just so sad because he's just so talented. And if he really does want to go, then they should by all means, you know, grant him the ability to leave if that's what he wants. And if they're not going to grant him the ability to leave, give him something to do. Um, I know I was listening to Jobber Tears. Um, shout out to Mr. Black and Sir Wilkins and um, Jakeem 
Morales, they were talking about all the creative ideas that they could have had for somebody like Andrade and Charlotte and made them like a king and queen type of deal, like like a kingpin or a queenpin or something like in terms of like drug dealers or something. And even though they said that, they, that it, it came off as harsh, at least it would have been something steeped in reality that they could have done. And it would have, you know, given a change in Charlotte's character because she sort of remained the same since she's been on the main roster and they have you know a great idea and they and they basically talked about how creative should have done better by Andrade but alas they haven't so here's hoping the best for Andrade in that situation I hope that if they're not going to let him go that they should at the very least give him something else to do um, but even if they don't, I hope that somehow or another they give him something else. That if they don't give him something else to do, he'll be able to leave soon and just do whatever he wants to do and then bounce back and be the Andrade that we know that he can be. Also in the news, we have um, on Twitter, WWE announced yesterday that Rhea Ripley is going to make her debut on Monday Night Raw this Monday after Fastlane. I'm so excited about this because here late here lately they have been, you know, doing vignettes saying that she was coming soon. So it wasn't really, you know, um confirmed when exactly she was going to make her debut, but it looks like it's going to happen Monday and I'm really excited. This is what they tweeted out. They said, "This is her brutality and it has a new home on Monday Night Raw." Over the last several weeks, the WWE Universe and the Raw Women's Division have been warned. And this Monday, the nightmare Rhea Ripley will finally arrive on Raw. It's so funny because when I read that tweet, my brain was like, this is my brutality because that's her song. But <laughs> but yeah, I'm so happy that she's coming on Raw um, before WrestleMania. You know, WrestleMania is three weeks away and I feel like the Raw Women's Division is in desperate need of some new blood. Um, there's so much more that they could be doing and they're not, you know, utilizing them to their fullest potential right now. And I feel like Rhea Ripley could either benefit from this. Um, well, actually, she could benefit from this because she was one of the last she was one of the last women standing in the Royal Rumble before she got eliminated by Bianca Belair. And she is she has been stated as the future and she's just an amazing athlete. She's a former, she was the first NXT UK Women's Champion. And she was the one who broke Shayna Baszler's um, undefeated streak at NXT to become the NXT Women's Champion before she subsequently lost to Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania last year. So there, so the future is really bright for her. And I'm so excited that she's going to be on Raw Monday, like super excited. Also in the news, we have Stone Cold Steve Austin, who is um, participating in a benefit um for charity to help the victims of the winter storm in texas so wwe announced that he's going to be part of the weird texas virtual um charity benefit that's going to be hosted by academy award-winning actor matthew mcconaughey who was also from texas um the fund is called just keep living foundation texas relief fund and the all-star event is going to raise funds for those affected by the winter storm um on Sunday, March the 21st at 8 p.m. at 7 Central, and is going to be streamed on Matthew McConaughey's YouTube channel, um, Matthew McConaughey, and is going to be exclusively broadcast in Texas on Spectrum News One. So if you live over there in Texas, if, if I have any listeners in Texas, shout out to you. Please check that out. Um, 
and is going to have supporters including Don Henley, Gary Clark Jr., George Strait, Casey Musgraves, um, Kelly Clarkson, Khalid, Kirk Franklin, Leon Bridges, Lucas Nelson, um, Miranda Lambert, Post Malone, Willie Nelson, and Angie Harmon. And also Dr. Phil, Jamie Foxx, Jen- Jennifer Garner, the Jonas Brothers, Megan The Stallion, um, Renee Zellweger, Selena Gomez, Troy Aikman, and more. So I feel like this is something that's going to be really good ultimately for the state of Texas um, because they really suffered a lot from that winter storm. It's like so many people lost power. So many people didn't have running water. It was a lot of people who froze to death in some cases. And we definitely send, you know, our thoughts and prayers with those families who were affected deeply by that winter storm. And it's good that Stone Coast Steve Austin is going to be participating, you know, in this for his native Texas and all of those Texas celebrities, you know, that I mentioned who are going to be in it as well. So that's going to be cool. Um, also in the news, we had LeBron James, who is out with an injury now um, indefinitely, which is what I just saw, which is so sad. Um, he celebrated Austin 316 day by having on a t-shirt that said LeBron 316 with the smoking skull on the back of it. And I thought that was really cool because, you know, of course he is a wrestling fan. When he first started, you know, he was actually at a wrestling event with his wife and taking pictures with a flip phone. You know, that's how long ago that's been. So, um, that was really cool to see as everyone was celebrating 316 day, um, a lot of people did all kinds of different um, tributes to him, like promos and stuff. And there was even a there was even like um, a sale on Austin three sixteen stuff. So basically, um, this was just to celebrate him. It's kind of an unofficial holiday to celebrate um, him. But really, who really needs an excuse to celebrate one of the best in the wrestling game? So yeah, that was cool. Also in the news, we have Charlotte Flair. Um, participating in a walking tall remake um so this statement was released um this is an article that was done by um comicbook.com they said that wwe superstar charlotte flair is set to start in an upcoming walking tall remake and it talked about how she's been branching out to the world of tv and film lately um with having a guest spot on the punky brewster reboot um on peacock and according to deadline um, the writer and producer of Battlestar Galactica is developing a remake television series of the 1973 film Walking Tall. Um, but then there was a previous remake involving The Rock um, years ago. And this is going to be a TV remake, you know, featuring Charlotte Flair in the starring role. And she's going to be featured as a cop in Tucson, Arizona, who finds herself caught in a web of fraud, exploitation and murder and is forced to go full vigilante to protect her hometown from falling victim to modern corruption. So I think this sounds really cool. And considering, you know, I love it when wrestlers can do acting. This is going to be really cool for her. Um, I love it, you know, when most when women get called in for stuff like this, too, because you have like Sasha Banks and how she was starring in The Mandalorian. And I can only assume that she'll have more of a starring role um, next season. And then you have um, Charlotte with this. And you also have Alexa Bliss on Plunky Brewster as well. Um, there's all this cool stuff going on. And you also have Becky Lynch and how she was on Billions, you know, for a little bit. That's a Showtime show. But then she got pregnant. So all of that sort of had to, you know, take a backseat to her being a mom. So I just love it when all of the women can, well, everybody, but definitely the women, can show up on movies and TV shows and stuff like that and get better opportunities like that. So that's really cool. 
Also in the news, um, which is a little bit of a sad note, Charlie Caruso is reportedly finished with WWE. Um, Earlier this week, reports came out that she had backstage heat because she was late to interviews that she was supposed to have with Sheamus and Randy Orton. And she hadn't even been on Raw for like the past couple of weeks. And then they even hired a replacement for her for backstage interviews and Raw talk um, in the form of Kevin Patrick, who's from Ireland. And he seems pretty professional and pretty cool. And he seemed like he was nervous about his first day, but he did a pretty good job. But no one but a report from PWI um, Insider um, mentioned that she won't be back on tele on WWE programming and she's expected to leave the company when her current deal expires and it's just so sad because she's so talented like she's amazing and then outside of that you know she has her work with ESPN where she does um first take um occasionally in place of Molly with um Stephen A. Smith and I can't remember the other guy's name right now but <laughs> I feel so bad. I feel like my boyfriend's going to beat me up for that. Well, he's not going to beat me up. But either way, he's going to be like, um, I can't remember the other guy's name right now. But she basically um, co-hosts with them from time to time. And she has her own podcast, which is um, which is called First Take Her Take with two other or three other um, co-hosts as well. So it's not like she doesn't have anything else to do. But I really did like having her on WWE television. And if she is about to go, then it's kind of sad. But I wish her the best in her future endeavors. But even Paul Heyman made reference to it on Talking Smack, um, which came out this morning, where he said that WWE had let go the wrong female journalist, which is basically, you know, taking a shot at WWE for letting for trying to let Charlie Caruso go and taking, you know, and throwing mad shade at Kayla Braxton, which is something that he likes to do as the co-host of Talking Smack. But I'm sad um, that she's about to go. And lastly, we have the news, which is kind of unfortunate for me, that WrestleMania now has two co-hosts. And one of them is Titus O'Neil, who mainly serves as an ambassador for WWE and definitely a great humanitarian in terms of, you know, the work that he does with the community and stuff like that. And hold your breath. He's co-hosting WrestleMania with Hulk Hogan. And this set social media on fire Um, It was half and half. It's like you had half of a lot of people who didn't have a problem with it. And then you had the other half, mainly me and my um, cohorts in podcasting, who are also African-American, who had an issue with it because it's like, number one, they keep trying to make Hulk Hogan matter in the grand scheme of wrestling now in 2021. He technically doesn't. The only thing that he has that WWE could possibly use is just the nostalgia bump because a, a lot of people talk about Hulk Hogan in the case of him, you know, being like the reason why wrestling is as popular as it is with him doing that with his whole red and yellow stick and then with him and the Hulkamania thing and then him when he turned heel with the NWO. While all of that may be true and he may have the whole nostalgia kick, nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, will 
take away the stench of him saying the n-word and referring to black men as the n-word in terms of talking about them and them being worthy or worthy or not worthy to date his daughter Brooke Hogan a long time ago not long time ago but around like 2015 there was a statement that was recorded where he was talking about how he would prefer if if Brooke Hogan was going to marry or date a black dude but he used the n-word to refer to them that he would prefer if he was like a six foot or seven foot tall athlete dude as opposed to just a regular dude who worked at 7-eleven or something like that and that was the absolute most heartbreaking thing that I had ever experienced in my life because I had been watching Hulk Hogan since I was a child Hulk Hogan versus Goldberg was the first match I ever saw in my life I was a child when that happened this was during the Monday Night War and when Hulk Hogan would pop up on television, I would get really excited. So you can only imagine my disappointment when I grow up and become an adult and find out that this man used out and out racist language towards many of the fans who who would probably love him, you know, even with their blackness, who would probably love him and probably thought that they that he was one of their favorites, who probably bought toys and cups and all of the above with his face on it. And it's just so sad that WWE is trying so hard to move forward with the present, with having black champions and having black women fight for a mainstream title at WrestleMania for the very first time and do all this stuff in terms of diversity and all of that other stuff. But yet and still, you try to throw Hulk Hogan in our faces as if he did not say these things. And yeah, he may have given an apology, but once you apologize for that, yeah, you can apologize for it and try to be a better person after that point. But once you show us who you are, we'll believe you. You said that and there is nothing that can take that away. And I try to be a positive person most of the time. But seeing as I'm a black person who is proud of my heritage and proud of where I come from, um, there is no there is nothing that Hulk Hogan can do for me up until that point, including co-host with a black man that would ever, you know, make that okay with me. You said what you said, admit that you have a black heart in your chest. And just move on with your life because there is nothing that you can do for us. And this and this Hardy Wrestling podcast is never going to try to uplift him in anything that he does from now on. That's why in my last story, I was talking about him as the racist formerly known as Hulk Hogan, because to me, that's all he ever will be. And because you've shown yourself to be who you are, that's never going to change. You're a racist. And he will never be on my show. He will never have anything to do with my show. And if I am ever blessed to move forward in a wrestling career from a broadcasting perspective, I will have nothing to do with him. And that's just the truth. There is nothing that Hulk Hogan can do at this point that would make it seem like it's okay. And WWE should know better. They are a little bit tone deaf in the idea that you want women's rights and to take place. And then you have all of your black wrestlers, such as Xavier Woods and Biggie and Kofi Kingston, to express how they feel about Black Lives Matter and everything that went on last summer, only to throw up in our faces this dude who literally used the worst term of all time to disrespect black men. 
that's not cool. It never will be cool. And Hulk Hogan is a nobody to me now. He's a nobody. He's a nothing. And if you're listening to the show and if you have an issue with whatever it is that I'm saying, then you have every right to stop listening to this show. But as far as I'm concerned, Hulk Hogan is a nothing to me. Red and yellow, black or white, I don't care. And yeah, he may be going into the Hall of Fame yet again as part of the NWO or whatever, but I don't care. Hulk Hogan is a nothing. And if you want to post it somewhere, if you want to make it seem like I was dissing Hulk Hogan in some type of negative way, then you can make it look like that all you want to. But the truth is the truth. He said that I'm a black female content creator. This will never be okay. And that's it. Cry to your mom about it. That's the end of the news and gossipish segment. And now we're going to talk about Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa and what that means for women's wrestling. All right, so in this Women's History Month segment, I'm going to talk about the unsanctioned lights out match that took place on AEW Dynamite this past Wednesday between Dr. Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. This is the definition of Women's History Month taking place today. Honey, I have been, even though sometimes I sort of fall in and out with watching AEW, um i have been following what's been going on in their women's division and i can definitely say that Britt baker versus thunder rosa was always something that i was looking forward to because after thunder rosa lost um her match for the nwa women's title against serena deeb i was wondering you know what else you know was they what else AEW was going to do with her um because i make it my business to try to support a lot of the people um who come on my show um in terms of whether it be television or youtube or whatever and i try my and so it's just like watching her watching thunder rosa is something i try to do on purpose because she did not have to come on my show the way she did but she did and i'm so happy that she did um so i try my best to support her in anything and Britt baker was always someone i was fascinated with because i thought it was so cool that she's like a dentist and a wrestler like i think that's the coolest thing on the planet like i just i can only imagine what is what it's like to know that your dentist is pos is basically like a wrestler like I would be so crunk like that would be like the weirdest flex for me so shout out to everybody who goes to Britt Baker as a dentist and can brag about the fact that she's a wrestler like that's the coolest thing on the planet um so it seemed like Britt was always sort of trying to get in Thunder Rosa's face and make it seem like you know she didn't belong there and that she wasn't good enough and if it's something that Dr. Britt Baker is really good at she's good at being a heel um because at first she started out being a face um she was the very first woman I found out she was the very first woman to sign with AEW um in terms of the women's division once AEW started a couple years ago and she sort of started off as a baby face but it seemed like once she sort of got her got her um groove as a heel you know she's been going you know really strong and I was really interested in seeing, you know, why was she coming at Thunder Rosa so hard? And everybody was always talking about how good Britt Baker is and how a lot of people said she was the most improved last year and all of the above. So I'm like, OK, let me check this out. And so 
in checking that out and always seeing, you know, Thunder Rosa sort of try to get back at Britt Baker over and over again. Um, and whenever they would fight in like tag team matches or something, somehow or another, Britt Baker will always do the underhanded thing with um, her um, sidekick Rebel, not Reba. And she would always, you know, get the upper hand some type of way with some type of underhanded tactic. And I would get so sick of it. And I would just be like, bro, like, Thunder, I need you to go get her. Like, beat her up. Like, I'm sick of this, right? So, they were supposed to fight at some type of, um, I believe the pay-per-view was called Beach Bash. But then it wound up, um, it, it wound up with some type of shenanigans with it or whatever. But then after that point, you know, I thought that maybe... After they were fighting each other, after they had fought each other in that little tag team match that they had going on at Revolution, I thought, well, maybe that was going to be it. But as it turns out, it wasn't it. And it was announced that they were going to main event AEW Dynamite um, and their St. Patrick's Day bash. And I didn't know that it was going to be a lights out match, which was basically like an extreme rules type of match where anything would basically go and they would be able to cover each other for the one, two, three but would do anything to basically incapacitate them, you know, in the gruesome, in the most gruesomest way possible. And honey child, the way they were trying to murder each other, I was so happy I was able to catch it. Oh goodness. It was almost like, and I don't mean to try to put forth the, um, put forth the narrative of AEW versus NXT or whatever, but NXT prides itself on having, you know, its best, probably the best women's division on the entire planet, which I would argue that it possibly does. Right. And the week before that, I was just talking about how basically the women ran NXT um, last Wednesday. Like they really ran the show between Tony Storm and Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship. The whole reveal of the NXT Women's Tag Team titles and Dakota Kai and Raquel having it only to lose it to um, Team um, Black Moon, and then it's just, and then with Zia Lee and Casey Catanzaro and Kaden Carter and stuff like that, there was so much going on um, last week on NXT with their women that a part of me was just wondering, like, what in the world is AEW going to do it to do to top that? Because AEW has been on the struggle bus when it comes to their women's division. It's like um, sometimes it's like you would see their AEW women's champion, um, Sheeta, but then there are other times where you wouldn't see her. There would be, you know, sort of like they would sort of start pushing someone and you wouldn't really see them that much anymore. And then it's like you have the ones who are, um, the members of their women's roster who are mostly, who are basically of American descent that they rarely, if ever, show, but then they put a whole lot of emphasis on. Um, they're Japanese wrestlers and that's no shade to them because their Asian wrestlers are like, I'm pretty sure they're like the best wrestlers on the planet. Um, but at the same time, it's sort of like, they're sort of push everybody else to the side, you know, for them. And it's hard because these are some people who are, who you're pretty sure are really talented, but you don't really know exactly who they are, um, and why you should get behind them. And, but AEW has time to sort of fix that. And then, of course, with AEW Dark, you have so many women that they get at a time from the independent circuit to come and wrestle on those shows, you know, on YouTube and stuff like that. And then they're starting another show um, on YouTube. And there's so much more that they can do with that. But here, but before Wednesday, 
um, they were basically on the struggle bus with it. But then Wednesday, there was the match that Jay Cargill had where she was able to show how she's basically improving and how and the stuff that she's working on as a new wrestler. But she's definitely working on it because she has all the athleticism and she has the look because she looks like a Greek goddess. And she has all the swagger, you know, to be a star in AEW. If, you know, more, more and more as she, you know, continues to progress as a wrestler. And then you have this stellar match between Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker where they murdered each other. And I don't have any nicer way to put it. They basically murdered each other. Like, I hadn't really seen a woman bleed like that since... Like, I can't even remember the last time I saw a woman truly bleed as much as they bled like that since maybe um, Sasha Banks um, and Charlotte when they had their Iron Woman match at um, at Roadblock like years back. And Sasha was bleeding like crazy. Like, it's really rare to... And then, well, that's not true. There's Becky Lynch and how she was bleeding after she got her nose broken by Nia Jax by accident. Like... I hadn't really seen women bleed like that in such a long time. And to see these women beating each other and slamming each other through tables and slamming each other in thumbtacks, which is something that you would own, which I'm pretty sure made Mick Foley smile, um, was just absolutely incredible. They were beating each other. They were hitting each other with their best moves. Like it was just absolutely phenomenal. I could have, I probably I feel like a part of me wants to go back and watch that match again just to fully process, you know, the the greatness of that moment. And just the fact that they were able to main event, you know, to main event AEW for the very first time, you know, meant a lot to me, too, because I'm used to seeing women in main eventing stuff in WWE. Like in a WWE, if a woman if a woman's match is going to main event a Raw or SmackDown or NXT, you can believe it. And it's sort of like the norm now. Whereas a long time ago, that wasn't the norm and they made you and they let you know it wasn't. Whereas now with AEW, you know, this is sort of their first time sort of giving the women, you know, that main event slot right there. And Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa knocked it out of the park. I was so proud of them. Like, I was really happy for them. Um, and it just means a lot, you know, to me as a woman and also as a woman's wrestling fan to sort of see AEW sort of step further into making more opportunities and giving more opportunities for their women wrestlers to showcase the best of what they have in each other. And I can't wait to see, you know, how it continues to continues to unfold. And I sort of want to see what else, you know, Britt Baker has to do, you know, after this point, like this is probably the worst defeat she's had in a long time, even though she still wound up looking strong because she was bleeding from the forehead, bleeding in her eyes and all this other stuff, even though she pretty much gave her all rebel was still trying to win for her, but she wound up getting slammed through a table. Rebel gets on my nerves, but I know that's a part of the, that's part of her job, but still, um, like, and then Thunder Rosa, you know, came out as a victor and, you know, she was really emotional and stuff like that. Because Britt Baker kept telling her how you don't belong here and you don't belong here and I'm better than you and all this other stuff. But Thunder Rosa was able to prove that she is just as worthy, if not more worthy, to be at AEW than she is. And that story really resonates with me. Like, that was really cool. Um, it was just really amazing. Like, 
I feel like I can just brag about this match all day long, but I just know that I'm just really proud of both of Dr. Britt Baker and I'm definitely proud of Thunder Rosa for throwing it all on the line um, Wednesday night. And I can only hope that AEW, you know, can continue to showcase more of their talent, you know, in this way, more of their female talent in this way. Um, and I just want women's wrestling to just continue to win and go on an upward trajectory, you know, from here. There is no limit to what we can do as athletes. Um, we're beautiful. We're f- well, I'm not an athlete, but I mean, as women, um, we're beautiful. We're um, we're talented. We're fearless. And there's nothing that we can't do at this point. Like if you throw anything at us, we'll try our best to knock it out of the park. And yeah. And regardless of what any troll online tries to say um, and talk about how women shouldn't main event anything, we're going to keep main eventing. We're going to keep being the whole dang show because we can. And this is our world now. Um, So I'm just really excited for what the future holds for women's wrestling. And it's beautiful that this happened during Women's History Month, too. So I guess this segment sort of counts as the Women's History Month thing, too. Um, So that's the end of this um, Women's History Month segment where I talk about that match. And now we're going to go to the weekly recap where I talk about Raw, NXT, and SmackDown. Okay, so I was sitting with my friends one day and they asked me, Stephanie, how do you record your podcast? And I said, with the Anchor app on my phone. And they were like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, it's that simple. It is absolutely free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. And it will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from the podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's got everything you need to make a podcast in one place. They even have classes and stuff that you can listen to that will give you all kinds of good tips on what you need to do in order to make the best podcast. So if you want to do this, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. All right, so now we're going to recap Monday Night Raw. And of course, we're going to start with our girls. So the first female match to take place on Monday Night Raw was Lana and Naomi um, in a tag team match versus Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. And something that they started with um, on Raw, they started promoting was the fact that Asuka came back um, from her concussion um, injury and having her tooth knocked out by Shayna Baszler and she was looking for revenge. So... Um, as it, so basically as she was looking for revenge, she was also set to face Shayna Baszler in a match, I believe. So at this point you had Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax on commentary during this tag team match. And so Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose, um, were looking to sort of rebound from the last loss that they that they had to face from Lana and Naomi. So Mandy Rose and Brooke had the upper hand um, during the first part of the match, and they cornered Naomi for some quick tags and some double team offense. Then Mandy scored a two count after a stiff running knee, which is probably one of the best running knees in the business right now. But a lot of people don't give her credit for that, and they say it. Um, then Naomi was able to make a tag to Lana after hitting a jawbreaker out of 
sort of out of desperation. And then it led to all the women sort of fighting each other um, after that point. But then as Shayna Baszler and Nia were on commentary, Baszler left the table to attack Asuka, who came out, you know, relatively early in order to, you know, get in Shayna Baszler's face for what she did to her. So after that, with the whole distraction, Dana Brooke was able to hit Lana with a neck breaker to get the pin. So this was nice to sort of see Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke get a win. Because here lately, they kept, it's like, over the past couple of months, we saw them getting beat up by Nia Jackson, Shannon Baszler over and over again, you know, and then we weren't seeing them that much at all. So it was good to see them get this win over Lana and Naomi. Um, but this match sort of made me feel like the women's tag team titles are sort of taking the front seat to the Raw women's title. And I feel like that's not, that's not necessarily how it should be. Of course, you want to showcase your tag teams in a positive light and your tag team championships in a positive light but at the same point in rate they shouldn't be more important than the raw women's championship but you know we're gonna get like talk about what oscar did right now so oscar and Shayna baszler went on to fight each other um because like they like i said earlier oscar was looking for revenge and oscar attacked Shayna baszler before the bell rang she was ready to go um, and then she kept the aggression going once the referee officially rang a bell. And Asuka knocked Nia Jax off the apron because she was, of course, trying to distract and get the upper hand to Shayna. Um, but then as with, as this distraction took place, Shayna Baszler hit her, in, hit her in the face with a running knee. And then Asuka recovered and took out Nia Jax by knocking her into the ring post. And then they tried to put each other in their submissions and it led to Asuka winning the match with a pinning combination reversal. But then Shayna Baszler tried to um, kick out another tooth after the match, but Asuka blocked the kick and then hit a flurry of her own kicks to Shayna Baszler's face. And she curb stomped Shayna Baszler into the bottom turnbuckle. And then in a very extreme and kind of dark, you know, way, Oscar removed the padding of the bottom turnbuckle and almost did it and almost basically ran her face into it um, and like made her bite it so she could kick her head into it before the referees broke them up. But this was really a welcome sight for me because here lately Oscar had just been like a baby face and to see Oscar be more aggressive with someone like Shayna Baszler who who is whose character is based on a lot of malice was really good for me like I appreciated that you know because going into Wrestlemania you want to prove that you are still you know the top girl and the top lady you know what I'm saying so it was really good to see Asuka be this aggressive with Shayna Baszler here and I don't know who's going to be her opponent a lot of people assume it's going to be Charlotte but with the arrival of Rhea Ripley um this Monday there's no telling what might happen with the landscape of the Raw Women's Championship picture in terms of WrestleMania. But, hey, I mean, God, like, let's go. Um, <laughs> let's see who's going to face what. Um, so that's pretty much all that happened with the women. Um, so after that, you know, we're now going to talk about the men. So Raw actually got started with a segment that included Bobby Lashley, the WWE Champion, Drew McIntyre, The Miz, John Morrison, and Sheamus. And it led to all of them sort of fighting, which basically led to The Miz um, facing Drew McIntyre. And The Miz tried to take control relatively early in the match, but then 
Drew was too powerful to keep him down. Like, it was just really weird to sort of see someone as small as a Miz try to take on, like, the beefy beefcake that Drew McIntyre is. It's just really hard. Um, then Drew McIntyre ignored a kick to the chest and then hit a brutal headbutt to establish his dominance. He was like, and then it's so cool to hear Samoa Joe react to Drew McIntyre's headbutt. So I say, oh, give us a kiss. Like, it's really cool. Then John Morrison um, provided a distraction for The Miz, but then The Miz quickly found himself back on the mat, and then Drew hit a reverse Alabama slam. But then as he lined up for the Claymore kick, John Morrison pulled um, The Miz from the ring to save him from it, which led to the referee ejected him, ejecting him to eject him. So that was really um, necessary because John Morrison and The Miz, I feel like their tag team thing is sort of, sort of worn out as welcome now. Like, I kind of want to see what John Morrison can do by himself now, now that The Miz no longer has the Money in the Bank briefcase and he's sort of, you know, just running around doing nothing. I kind of want The Miz and John Morrison to break up now. But that's not going to happen seemingly because of events that happen later on in the night that I'll talk about later. Um, But every time The Miz had a moment of offense, Drew McIntyre, you know, responded with twice the aggression and he spiked him with a future shot DDT before hitting him with a Claymore kick. And he refused to make a cover because he wanted to send a message to Bobby Lashley and he used the full Nelson to do it. So this was really interesting. He was trying to send a whole message to Bobby Lashley by telling him that at WrestleMania he was going to take back his WWE championship or at least what he thinks is his. Um, now a lot of people felt some type of way because earlier in the night they had announced that Drew McIntyre was going to face Bobby Lashley for the cha- for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania because they felt like it should be someone new who wasn't in the title picture, you know, for the entirety of 2020, which is true because Drew McIntyre held that title twice last year, and that's not to say that it wasn't necessarily a good run, depending on who you ask, but um. I'm wondering where Keith Lee is because a part of me would wonder, a part of me would have felt better if Keith Lee had another opportunity at the WWE title. Um, If he had a chance at WrestleMania to fight for it against Bobby Lashley, that would be really cool. Um, But then again, that's also a way of me sort of being a little bit greedy with two black men in the title picture like that. Two black men, two black women at WrestleMania. You can't really go wrong with that. But I'm just wondering where Keith Lee is at this point because I would have preferred if it was him. But here we are with Drew again. So it's whatever. So then after that, we have the Hurt Business versus the New Day for the Raw Tag Team titles. And this was interesting to me considering since Bobby Lashley has been going for and and won the um wwe championship mvp has been coming out a lot with bobby lashley and hasn't done anything with shelton and cedric anymore and i think that's weird because they're still you know sort of representing the hurt business but how can they be the hurt business when mvp is spending all his time with bobby um i'm wondering if they're broken up or are they about to break up or what but anyway um this tag team match took place and it was really good so Xavier Woods and Cedric um, had a nice exchange to sort of start it off. They used quick offense and counters before Kofi Kingston tagged in and scored a two count. And then Cedric flipped um, Kofi right into um, Shelton Benjamin's arms for a brutal spine buster. And then um, 
Kofi Kingston hit a double stomp out of nowhere to give himself a chance to tag Xavier Woods. And then Xavier and Kofi tried to take out their opponents with simultaneous dives. But then Shelton and Cedric had them scouted and took them down at ringside. And then they came back from commercial break. And Cedric and Xavier was was um, trading strikes back and forth. But then as they both made the tag, Kofi came close to beating Shelton Benjamin a couple of times. And then he nailed Shelton with a trouble in paradise. And then Xavier followed up with a diving elbow. And after this point, they hit their finisher um, to pin the, to get the pin and win the tag titles, which surprised me because I'm just like, whoa, like it felt like, wow, like it felt like it was just a couple weeks ago. We were celebrating the fact that the Hurt Business and Bobby Lashley had titles, you know, at, you know, as the Hurt Business, only for them to lose them to the New Day, who's had titles multiple times. Now, I'm not angry at them because, of course, I love the New Day from the bottom of my heart. And, the, and to me, they are the greatest faction of all time. Um, but I, I just thought this was really surprising, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. So after they won the Raw Tag Team titles back, AJ Styles and almost came out to the ring. And they congratulated them on winning, but then he said that he had really nothing to do at WrestleMania. So he wanted almost to sort of make his wrestling, de- his in-ring debut at WrestleMania and face them for the Raw Tag Team titles that- at Mania. And Kofi and Xavier, you know, accepted the challenge while also throwing shade at, <clears throat> shade at them. And this, I... I don't know really how to feel about this tag team because even though AJ Styles and almost have done pretty solid, you know, comedic stuff and so many, you know, and they've had cool moments together outside of almost ruining Biggie's chances of winning the Royal Rumble. But I, I just don't know about them as a tag team just yet. And it almost seems as if them having to face the New Day is sort of like, it's sort of like making the New Day look like a transitional, you know, championship type of thing where it's just like, oh, they're going to hold these for the next three weeks only for them to lose to AJ Styles and this big guy. And I feel like I wouldn't feel some type of way about it if it weren't for the fact that AJ Styles has basically been playing um, party pooper pants, you know, and Royal Rumble police for like the past couple of months. I just feel like every time he comes out now, it's sort of gets on my nerves a little bit because he's just always riding on someone's parade and that's lame and it makes me sad but we'll see how that plays out so then we had Damien Priest Damien Priest wow Mm. Damien Priest (laughs) versus Jackson Riker and Damien Damien Priest was backstage actually with um Bad Bunny the 24-7 um champion and a new grammy winner um as of that monday because the grammy awards were that sunday it was the sunday before and backstage bad bunny actually gave our truth the 24 7 title back because our truth was running around with you know austin 316 gear because it was 316 day and bad bunny really liked the smoking skull championship so he took that one and actually exchanged with our truth and our truth got his 24 7 title back and i thought that was really gracious you know of him to do that because he says he respected our truth and he respected the business which is a which is a great you know change of pace you know in terms of celebrities respecting 
you know, the business of wrestling in comparison to other rappers. Um, <laughs> so then Damian Priest, um, went on to fight Jackson Riker because Jackson Riker was trying to get revenge on behalf of Elias who lost to Damian two weeks ago. And Damian won the match in about a minute. It was weird. It was really short. Like it was like a blink if you blink and you miss it match. Then after it was over, Elias tried to attack Bad Bunny, but um Damian Priest had it scouted and he took him out. But then John Morrison came down and tried to distract them so the men's could hit Bad Bunny with a guitar from behind. And then Damian Priest chased him away before checking on him. So what it seems like here is that they're trying to, they're trying to, I think they've been sort of doing this since the Royal Rumble. Um, they're sort of escalating the Miz fighting Bad Bunny or Bad Bunny and Damian Priest fighting the Miz and John Morrison for a tag team match at Mania. And I'm actually here for it because Bad Bunny has shown that he is more than capable of learning the ropes and actually, you know, taking a couple of bumps because that bump he took with the guitar was really good. So if he could take a bump like that, then I'm pretty sure he can start, you know, fighting. And if he's going to do this at WrestleMania, then I feel like that's going to be really cool to see. And he respects the business. So that's going to be cool. Then we had the blip known as Shane McMahon versus Braun Strowman. And this was not good. And the best part about this entire encounter was just the fact that Shane McMahon poured Nickelodeon slime. <laughs> Please don't sue me, Nickelodeon. Um, he used Nickelodeon slime and poured it all over Braun Strowman to embarrass him after he jumped through the table on him. And then Braun Strowman was so embarrassed and angry at him that he said he was going to rip him a new a-hole as it went to commercial. And I laughed so hard. I kid you not. It was just the goofiest thing I'd ever heard. And that's really all I'm going to talk about from that match because it I just don't understand the point of them fighting. It's just weird. Um, then we had Matt Riddle versus Mustafa Ali for the United States Championship. And so this is sort of based off of... Um, what happened two weeks ago when Ali had pinned Matt Riddle in a non-title match. So um, the rest of Retribution was out there with him and stuff. So they were there to support him. And so M Mustafa got the first few shots in before Matt Riddle threw him across the ring with a belly-to-belly -belly suplex and then kicked him out of the ring. Then Mustafa pulled him into the announce table where they got back and then they got back into the ring. And then he kicked Matt Riddle right in the face. And then we returned from commercial break to see Mustafa dominating the champion. And it seemed like he had an answer for everything that Matt Riddle tried to do here. But it's not really surprising because Mustafa is really good. Like he's a great athlete. Um, and then eventually Matt Riddle was able to make a comeback. But then Mustafa had Matt Riddle pinned. But then T-Bar had mistakenly distracted the referee to take the win away from Mustafa. And then after he kicked out... Matt hit his finisher to retain the title and then he escaped the ring before Retribution could attack him for it and then Mustafa was clearly upset by the loss and he started yelling at Retribution yet again and it's so sad because you can see they're trying to help but I feel like all the steam that they once had at the beginning of last year has just been taken away for whatever reason and I just feel like it's like I keep saying every week I feel like eventually Either they are going to get tired of Mustafa or Mustafa is going to get tired of them. And I feel like eventually, like, there's going to have, 
like it's gonna be like a come like a come to Jesus moment for either one of them but I feel like Mustafa does deserve to be a champion at this point because he's so good and because of what he's done as a character you know going forward and turning heel and all that so he deserves a little bit better then we had um as the main event we had Bobby Lashley versus Sheamus and Sheamus is looking to prove himself because him and Drew McIntyre have a match at Fastlane tomorrow so Drew McIntyre um gave a quick promo before the match took place and then Lashley and Sheamus went after each other super hard after the bell rang and then of course Bobby Lashley had the advantage at first but then Sheamus kept finding ways to stall his momentum and Drew McIntyre was watching them um, as they proceeded to tear each other apart. Um, he was sitting like in a chair, like in front of the ring. And then they mostly focused on hitting each other with strikes while occasionally mixing in traditional wrestling maneuvers. But then Bobby still had firm control of the match when we returned from a commercial break. And he drove Sheamus into the barricade a few times before putting him in the corner for a series of back elbows here. And it really looked like it hurt. So, <laughs> yeah. Then um, Seamus sidestepped a charging Lashley and sent him into the ring post. And then Lashley recovered um, from Seamus' um, offense and he hit a flatliner for a two-count. And then as Seamus lined up for a bro kick, Lashley caught him with a spear to uh, get the win here. So, um, everybody's just looking to sort of put forth their best effort, you know, going into um, fast lane this on Sunday so that was pretty much what was going on on Raw um and that's pretty much all that happened so now we're going to talk about NXT okay so now we're going to recap NXT and this was a pretty solid show um but like I said um, in my earlier segment, I watched the entirety of NXT because NXT wound up going off like way later, like at around nine, um, maybe, maybe nine, 10. Um, and <laughs> I was able to see all of Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa at the very end of AEW, but I did watch all of NXT. So, and it was a miracle considering we had just gone through like crazy storms and stuff. So it wasn't Wednesday, but it was Tuesday. Y'all, I was so glad I was able to watch wrestling. Um, pray for Alabama we're always in the midst of some type of storm but we're okay so <laughs> um in terms of the women we had Dakota Kai versus Zoe Stark and this was my first time seeing Zoe Stark wrestle but I was really impressed by her from the second she hit the mat like there was a point where it looked like Dakota Kai and Zoe were about to face off but then as they were about to face off Zoe was trying to move out of the way and she slid across the ring like kind of like a hockey like a hockey puck on an air hockey table like she moved really fast like whoosh and I was like excuse me <laughs> I was like excuse me who are you I, I I I like this a lot um so Dakota Kai was looking to sort of bounce back from the loss of the women's tag team titles that she suffered with Raquel and they had a nice you know basic thing going um at the beginning of the match Zoe brought Dakota Kai down in a hammerlock and then started to work on her arm but then um Dakota was able to get Stark in the corner and nail her with a running kick you know for a two count 
And then um, Zoe Stark hit a slingshot crossbody from the ring to the floor as they went to commercial break. This is another impressive part. And then we saw when we returned from commercial break, we saw the Dakota and um, Zoe were taking each other down with simultaneous clotheslines. And then Zoe began to build up a head of steam with a string of quick offense maneuvers. Then um, Dakota nailed her with a super kick as she came flying into the ring from the top rope, but she was unable to get the pin. And then after a few more um, moves, Dakota Kai was able to hit the Kota kick for the pin and the win here. So this was really good. Like it was a really good showing on the hat on and a really great debut in terms of Zoe Stark and to see what she has to offer as an athlete. And I feel like the sky is the limit for her. Um, and then there was a point, I believe, during the show in which um, Dakota was talking about sort of gaining the upper hand against Zoe because I think because I think Zoe and EO teamed up you know towards the end of it because I think Dakota and Raquel started attacking Zoe or whatever and then EO was and then EO came out for the assist and sort of got in Raquel's face and then gave her the contract and walked right past her like she walked right past Dakota Kai to give the contract to Raquel and Raquel was thinking about it, you know, backstage and everything. And then as she was thinking about it, Dakota was looking like she wanted to take her focus off of it. And she was talking about how she wanted to face Zoe and EO in a tag team match, you know, to sort of, you know, get their mojo back as a tag team. And you can tell that Raquel was kind of looking at her a little bit like, why can't you support me, you know, in this new endeavor for me going for the NXT Women's Championship? So... I think there's a little bit of animosity that they're building between Dakota and Raquel now. Um, and I'm interested in seeing that because it's happening small, like in little increments. And But, you know, once they start telling a story, you know, and they show like little itty bitty seeds of discontent, eventually the seed is going to grow into like a giant tree. And that giant tree of hate is going to be amazing. So <laughs> that was weird the way I just described that, but it's okay. Y'all get the point. Um, that's pretty much all that happened with the women on NXT as far as, yeah. So with the show started basically with Austin Theory versus Dexter Loomis and Dexter Loomis was just ready to fight, you know, well, actually, no. Austin Theory was ready to fight Dexter because Johnny had told um, Austin that he basically talked about his abs and how they're basically subpar. And that was the last straw. So he was ready to fight him. So they sent Austin Theory a set of gear that looked like Gargano's attire um, as a motivational tool to sort of, you know, go into the match believing in himself. And the match started with Austin Theory taking Loomis out of the ring right away. And then he slammed Loomis's head into the announce table a couple of times and they went to commercial. And then we returned from commercial to see Austin Theory hit a fall away slam for a two count. And then Dexter Loomis took a little bit more damage as he hit a spine buster out of nowhere to give himself some time. And then he started to build some more momentum as he hit a jumping leg drop for a near fall. Then Dexter Loomis dropped his opponent with a slingshot, a slingshot suplex. And then Austin Theory was not phased by any one of his mind games. And then he drilled him with a forearm to the face for a really close two count here. Then Dexter knocked him out with a clothesline, but then offered him his hand to help him up. And Theory took it and tried to hug him. But then Dexter Loomis used that opportunity to put him in a chokehold, but then Theory broke free from it. And then Loomis countered his finisher and then locked in the hold again for the win. 
So Dexter Loomis wound up beating Austin Theory here. And I don't know what exactly this means for Dexter Loomis going forward. But I'm pretty sure maybe, you know, he'll maybe, I just thought about this, maybe Dexter Loomis is going to do this to sort of get in the head of Johnny Gargano so he can fight for the NXT North American title at NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. That's probably what's going to happen here. So, yeah, that was interesting. Then we have Brizongo versus Legado del Fantasma. And um, the match sort of started with um, Raul Mendoza getting trying to get an early advantage. But then Fandango saw um, him coming and then knocked him down with one quick shot. And then he fought off um, Joaquin Wilde before he, was a, he brought in Tyler Breeze for a double team and a two count. Then um, Legado del Fantasma was able to turn the tables when Fandango got back in the ring. And then Raul Mendoza knocked him off the top rope to the floor with a running kick. And then they came back from commercial um, just as Fandango sent Raul Mendoza over the barricade. And then Tyler Breeze got the hot tag and then took it to Joaquin Wild with a flurry of quick strikes here. And then he locked in joaquin in a half crab submission but was forced to break it and then mendoza broke up a pin to save his partner after a supermodel kick from tyler breeze and then joaquin wild made a blind tag to allow for legato del fantasma to hit their finisher for the win and then after the match was over jordan devlin who was just returning from um europe to sort of get in the face of santos escobar to basically prove to basically prove himself as the real NXT Cruiserweight champion, he came out and confronted him. And then Santos basically said, you know, we're going to prove, we're going to see who is the actual Cruiserweight championship. And he challenged him to a match at NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. But then Jordan Devlin hit him with a headbutt and a suplex before running away with his title. So I think this is really interesting because... They have two cruiserweight championships in the sense that Jordan Devlin was champion, but he couldn't, you know, come, you know, he was in the UK and he couldn't return due to the whole travel ban or whatever. And then you have Santos Escobar because he won it in the tournament that they had last year. And they're sort of proving, you know, I guess now, you know, whoever wins is going to like combine the actual title. And then after that, you know, that's going to be it. And they both have, you know, a ton of momentum on both of their sides here. So I'm really interested to see how this plays out. Then we had Marcel Bartel versus Tommaso Ciampa. And Marcel made his entrance, but then Tommaso Ciampa attacked Fabian Eichner and threw him over the barricade. And then the match started and then Ciampa went right after Bartel. And then once he was able to gather himself, Marcel Bartel wrestled Ciampa down to the mat and kept him grounded with a headlock. Then Fabian Eigner recovered and then made his way back to ringside to watch Bartel choke um, Tommaso against the middle rope while talking trash into the camera. Then Tommaso Ciampa sent Bartel into Eigner before hitting him with the Widow's Bell DDT for the win. Then Imperium's music hit again and surprise, surprise, the NXT UK champion and the longest reigning one at that Walter appeared on the stage and he signaled the rest of Imperium to attack Tommaso Ciampa as he got in the ring. And I thought this was amazing here. So I'm just like, so we have Tommaso Ciampa beefing with possibly the most imposing figure in NXT history, Walter. Like, are you serious? 
he's crazy big and he's crazy intimidating and it's like when walter hits you he leaves marks on your body like i'm so excited <laughs> i'm so excited and pumped for for whatever this is gonna be um so yeah like i'm really pumped about this plus looking at walter with his nxt uk title it just makes me want the women's uk title more and more plus not to mention my boyfriend has one he has the first uk title they put they brought out and i just want the women's one to match with his so yeah i know that sounds really corny and really lovey-dovey but that's just what i want and i just love walter so this is gonna be interesting here then we had la knight in his debut match against austin gray and he basically you know had his first match um and then Austin Gray was out here and he's sort of like in developmental now um but he's been featured on 205 Live a couple of times um and he was also featured with the Timothy Thatcher stuff that was going on where he was being you know a teacher but then he stood up to Timothy Thatcher so there was that um LA Knight you know took control of the match easily but then Bronson Reed came out to distract him by tearing up his beautiful blue leather jacket like I love this jacket but as you maybe like if you guys want to know something about me i love blue that is like one of my favorite colors so to watch bronson reed destroy this jacket try kind of just destroyed me i was like god dang it um and it almost allowed for austin gray to get an upset win here but um he kicked out um la knight kicked out and then made a quick comeback and it hit his finisher for an easy win so LA Knight and Bronson Reed might be going in to take over with a feud here and I'm actually okay with it because if you're going to debut in NXT you know at a takeover then who better to fight than Bronson Reed who's going to give you you know your who's going to give you probably one of the best matches ever because he's such a good athlete I love Bronson Reed so that's going to be cool then we had Finn Balor um and Karrion Cross um, becoming a tag team to fight only Lorcan and Danny Burch for the tag team titles. And I thought this was interesting because they hate each other. So I was wondering how this was going to turn out. So as Scarlett said earlier in the show, she said that, um, you know, she saw two champions draped in gold. So they were going to, you know, go ahead and fight each other. So... Karrion Cross um started really strong here in the match and he wore Danny Burch down with a bear hug and he hit both champions with a suplex at the same time and Danny Burch appeared to take a bad bump but then they went to commercial break with the referee checking on him and stuff then Oni Lorcan had the upper hand against Finn Balor until he hit an overhead kick and then Oni Lorcan prevented a tag but then Finn Balor started building momentum anyway and then he hit a sling blade on the floor followed by a running drop kick that sent Oni Lorcan into Scarlet by mistake and Scarlet fell over here and she looked like she was relatively hurt by it and as Finn Balor was checking on her Karrion Cross lost his mind and thought that Finn Balor had hurt her in some type of way and he started beating him up and slamming him until until the barricade and into the fences and stuff and then Oni Lorcan was able to capitalize and score the pin to retain the tag team titles but Karrion Cross proceeded to beat up everybody else in the match you know he beat up the tag team champions afterwards so they really didn't celebrate their win 
But something that I thought was really cool and interesting was the fact that Scarlett was using her womanly wiles to sort of get Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch to put their titles on the line. You know, she was just like, you know, and, and she was just, you know, working her magic and being manipulative with her verbal and body language. And she was just like, you know, you want to prove that you're the best, right? And I thought that was really cool and kind of hot. So I was just like, okay, I see you, Scarlett. So Scarlett was working her magic there in that, you know, opening segment. And, you know, I was actually glad that Karrion and Finn didn't win the tag titles because that would have been really awkward and it would have been really loaded. So they're going to fight each other, I'm pretty sure, at NXT TakeOver, and that's going to be interesting. So Karrion can get back the NXT title that he never lost. So that's pretty much all that happened on NXT. And now we're going to recap SmackDown. Right, and for our last recap, we're gonna recap SmackDown, my favorite show um, of all three brands. Um, so SmackDown actually started with a women's match. It started with Nia Jax versus um, Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's Title, and this came about because um, Reggie sort of suggested to Nia Jax last week that she, you know, challenged for the SmackDown Women's title. And since Reggie is Nia's new bae, you know, they're in that little honeymoon stage where you feel like, oh my God, everything he says is such a good idea. Let's do it. So, <laughs> so they fought each other. Um, it started with the, the show actually started with Sasha and Bianca Belair, um, having an argument in Gorilla and, basically Bianca was telling her like yo like you need to focus and then you know get Reggie out of the way and stop focusing on him and you need to focus on our tag team matches coming up you know at Fastlane and all that and you need to focus because I don't want my you know opportunity that I earned at the Royal Rumble you know to go to waste because because Bianca wants to face Sasha at Wrestlemania and Sasha was saying you know and then um Bianca was like you know I'm not coming to your aid tonight you know just you know do this on your own but then be, be and then banks was like i haven't lost focus i'm gonna do this you know i'm gonna win and so sasha went out to the ring and they did their entrances and all of the above um sasha banks actually started attacking from the opening bell which i thought was really smart because you want to take down someone who's as powerful as nia Jax here and then she wiped baszler out and then stomped nia Jax into the corner and then she hit a double knee attack followed by a bulldog um and then um, Sasha tried for a bank statement, but then Nia fought back and delivered a, grill, a gorilla press slam for two. Then Nia Jax added a second slam and an elbow drop for a near fall, for another near fall. But then she executed a perfect Samoan drop, but Sasha Banks kept kicking out here. And funny enough, on commentary, they were, you know, being surprised that Sasha Banks was kicking out. Which is true because there was a point where Nia Jax was kind of beating up, you know, Sasha Banks years ago on Raw, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, so Bianca came out and then she made her way to ringside and actually decided to um, be Sasha Banks' moral support in this match. And then when they came back, um, 
from commercial. Nia Jax was targeting Sasha Banks's left leg and then applying implied and applied a stretch muffler um, submission, which is one of my favorite submissions, before swinging Sasha Banks into the corner, which looked really rough at a certain point. And then she reapplied the submission, but then Sasha Banks escaped and delivered a reverse meteora, um, which basically proves that Sasha Banks could have a good match with anyone. And as the action broke down, Shayna Baszler entered the ring um, and basically in an, and basically kicked Nia Jax by accident as she was trying to attack Bianca Belair. And then this allowed for Sasha Banks to score the jackknife roll-up for the win. So Sasha Banks wound up retaining her SmackDown Women's title. And Nia Jax was angry at Shayna Baszler because she... Um, ruined her opportunity to win the title and she was and she told her as much backstage and Shayna Baszler was trying to make it right and basically said that she was going to face Bianca Belair tonight and basically make her suffer so they went on um to fight each other and as they fought each other like it was pretty interesting because they had fought each other before so I'm thinking okay this might be the same match or maybe something different will happen. So Sasha came out during the match with Bianca and, and um, Shayna, but then pretend and basically pretended like she was going to come out and be there for Bianca. But then she went back backstage. It was like, nope, you got it. And so Naya um, was frustrated after Shayna Baszler was beating up on Bianca and then threw her out of the ring. And then as um, Bianca got thrown out of the ring, Nia Jax had a very disgusted look on her face. And then she walked backstage, you know, and quit being Shayna Baszler's um, moral support. And as Bianca and Shayna, you know, proceeded to get back into the ring and tried to you know do battle with one another yet again natalia and tamina hit the ring and attacked them you know and proceeded to make their case for a women's tag team championship opportunity after fast lane of course and they left um shana baszler and bianca belair lying you know in the ring and outside of the ring and they were standing tall and sending a and basically sending a message to the women's locker room and I am glad that Bianca didn't lose again like she did last week in the tag team match. Um, and I'm actually happy that Natalia and Tamina are sort of asserting themselves, you know, as a dominant tag team to face Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax because, of course, they're not scared of them. And I think this is going to be interesting here considering on Raw, you really don't have that much of a competition there because they basically beaten everybody on raw in terms of the tag team division there so what other what other person can they face after you know the whole sasha banks bianca belair thing it's it has to be natalia and tamina and i'm definitely here for it but i do feel sorry for the riot squad though because it seems like they only send them out there to get squashed and get beat only to give the tag team the women's tag team title opportunities to someone else and that's just so sad for them but ugh, it's whatever at this point so that's pretty much all that happened with the women um so with the men you had the show well like i said the show started with the women so now we have Seth Rollins addressing Cesaro and Edge, you know, talking the main event and stuff. So Edge joined Kayla Braxton backstage to talk about, you know, um, his match with Jay Uso. And 
um talking and he was talking about his potential to be a star if he can break out of Roman Reigns' shadow which I thought was really interesting because Jey Uso has definitely had a great star making turn within the past year outside of you know the tag team with Jimmy who's been gone and stuff but you know if Jay can just come out of he was just saying that if Jay can just come out of the shadow of Roman Reigns and start you know walking his own path then he would be you know on a good you know point he also Edge also reminded the audience of Daniel Bryan's running knee to the face from last week and he said that he probably would have done the same thing and then in the ring Seth Rollins came out in an amazing suit he has just been you know killing the game with all of his great suits and stuff looking like a cool youth pastor um (laughs) um my pastor doesn't dress like that but shout out to pastor mike um but he came out there looking like a cool youth pastor with this blue and white you know it was kind of like blue at the bottom with the pants and then as it came up it's like the blue started to dissipate and then it turned into white and it was just really cute um he claimed that cesaro disrespected and humiliated and embarrassed him when he walked out on him a few weeks ago and then he said that the reason why Cesaro you know made him you know feel like that was because Cesaro is you know an an abject failure and he talked about all the moments in which Cesaro had a chance to prove himself as a main event top star but it never happened and then he played a video from last week of him beating down Cesaro and then mocking his attempts to seize the brass ring before Shinsuke Nakamura came out and interrupted him and then Shinsuke told um Seth Rollins to shut up and then when he mocked him he blasted him with a Kinshasa and left him lying out to close the segment which I think is funny so now Seth Rollins is feuding with Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro I don't know what that means but I mean hey whatever I think it's cool so after that point we had the Mysterios that's Ray and Dominic you know versus the Street Profits and then we had the Mysterios versus the Alpha Academy and the Smackdown Tag Team Champions Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode was watching from commentary um as the Street Profits were battling the Mysterios and this was a fast-paced match here and it was really cool to see sort of like the new age you know tag team going up against you know an OG veteran like Rey Mysterio and his son who's looking to sort of you know make his path in wrestling as well so this was fast paced and then it saw angelo and montez control the majority of the action and they appeared poised to pick up the win but then um ray mysterio was very alert when he pulled montez ford off the top rope and then dominic rolled up dawkins for the win and it seemed like they were really shocked you know that dominic rolled him up and, and wound up winning because it looked like angelo was trying to kick out and maybe he was meant to kick out but as it turns out you know it was and wound up going in the Mysterio's favor. So after the match, Chad, Gable, and Otis came out and took exception to the idea that the Mysterio's were suddenly in tag team title contention and and that they would jump the line over them. And then they cleared them out of the ring and basically when they came back from the break, Ray and Dominic battled Alpha Academy and then Ray caught Chad Gable with a 619 but then saw his momentum stunted as Otis overpowered him by tossing him around the ring with a punishing body slam. And I'm not used to seeing Otis being a heel yet. Like, I'm really not used to it. I know it's a thing, but it kind of hurts my feelings a little bit because Otis is such a sweetheart. I actually met him. He's so sweet. Um, 
And then he trapped um, Rey Mysterio in a bear hug, looking to squeeze the life out of him. But then Rey bit his way out of the submission and fell prey to another slam. And then, and then Rey tagged Dominic into the match, you know, sparking a comeback. And then Dominic, you know, and their, you know, role came to an end when Chad Gable caught him in another 619 attempt and dessert and delivered a rolling German suplex. And then Otis added a giant slam for the win. So after the match ended, Chad Gable and Otis were staring at, um, were staring at Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, who was throwing mad shade at the Street Profits, but sort of talking about Chad Gable and Otis as if they were more deserving of a tag title opportunity. And that sort of made me a little bit upset because I'm sort of looking like, so the Street Profits have been on this comeback tour all this time, and y'all just gonna ignore them for Chad and Otis? Um, no, that's not cool. So give my boys their chance. Either way, the match, the set of matches was cool. Then we had Daniel Bryan, you know, addressing Fastlane, Edge, and Roman Reigns. And he came out there doing his Yes Channel, whatever. And he sort of kept the tension, you know, between him and Edge alive, you know, in the, in the promo. And he was talking about their issues before Roman Reigns entered the Thunderdome with Paul Heyman by his side, of course. And Roman Reigns was talking about how um, Daniel Bryan was claiming to tap him, was claiming to get ready to tap him out at Fastlane tomorrow. And then he told Paul Heyman that he's got a better chance of shooting lightning out of his butt, but he didn't say butt, then tapping me out. And then he said that he would rather lose his arm or better yet die in the ring than to tap out to somebody like Daniel Bryan. And then Brian was like, okay, that's a little bit much, which it is because I mean, gosh, why would you want to die in the ring than do that? Like, I'd rather you live. Um, but then he said he was going to beat Roman Reigns on Sunday, you know, whether he taps him out or not. So they're ready to fight each other. They're knucking and bucking and ready to fight each other on tomorrow night. So, hey, it's whatever. And of course, you know, they're going to have a special enforcer. Um, so this was really good here. So King Corbin and Sami Zayn fought and weirdly enough, they showed a package before it and they were calling it the least anticipated match in SmackDown history. It was throwing bad shade at them. It was so sad. Um, but, you know, Kevin Owens, you know, was, hey, come fresh from a backstage, you know, promo with Sami Zayn because Sami was like, you know, had you thought about being in my documentary anymore? Because Logan Paul, you know, some YouTube dude was saying that he was going to, you know, check it out. And so Kevin said, you know, I thought about it and I decided not to because it just seems like you seem to be blaming everybody else for your problems. And you're always saying there's a they, there's a they, there's a they. And Sami Zayn didn't take too kindly to that. So he decided to go on commentary during this match and King Corbin attacked early um and it was overwhelming Sami Zayn you know with his power advantage then King Corbin missed a blind charge into the corner and then Zayn rolled him up holding onto the ropes but then the referee caught him trying to you know hold onto the ropes with his feet then Sami Zayn nearly collided you know with the referee allowing King Corbin to hit the end of days and the referee counted the one two three and King Corbin won the match and after the match, um, 
Sami Zayn decided to get in Kevin Owens' face and implored him to sort of, you know, back up his claims of fraud and lies, saying over and over again, like, you know, this isn't true. You know, this is a lie. You know, this is a conspiracy against me, blah, blah, blah. And Kevin Owens was like, there's nothing I can do about that. There's nothing I can do about that. And then as he was, you know, Kevin Owens turned around and he started talking to Michael Cole and Corey Graves again. Sami Zayn hit him with one of the best halluva kicks I've ever seen him deliver, ever. And then he left him lying and he kept ranting over and over again. So I'm happy because you can never go wrong with Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. They have the most classic, they, they have one of the best rivalries in modern history. You can never go wrong with these two fighting each other. So if they're going to fight again, I'm here for it. Let it happen at WrestleMania. Let them fight again. Let's do it. <laughs> so yeah. Then after that, Michael Cole interviewed Big E and the Intercontinental Champion and Apollo Crews. And baby, this was amazing. So they were sitting side by side, looking like two angry, but yet really delicious black men. Um, <laughs> and so during this sit down interview, Biggie addressed, you know, Apollo Crews and basically said that he should take the time to enjoy the crispness, the, the crispness of the March spring air, you know, and your functioning limbs because you will experience neither after Sunday, basically saying he was just going to crush him and kill him, you know, on Sunday. So you may as well get used to the freedom of and the use of your limbs now. And then Cruz cut a promo, of course, with his beautiful Nigerian accent and talked about how, you know, he was going to beat him on Sunday. And this made Big E super mad and said that he wasn't going to wait until Sunday to beat him up. And he took the microphone out of his T-shirt. And then so did Apollo Crews. He took off his little Nigerian scarf and he took off his Nigerian necklace, which I thought was really cute, by the way, because I'm a sucker for necklaces with the continent of Africa on it. Um, they're just so cute. I just love them so much. Um, so if you guys ever want to buy me a present, buy me an African necklace. Um, but they took their microphones off and then Big E was looking for him everywhere. And he proceeded to kidnap a golf cart, drive around the Thunderdome until he found Apollo Crews. And then he took off his shirt and Apollo took off his shirt and they proceeded to slam each other and beat each other up and brawl with each other. And Big E was beating the crap out of Apollo. It was amazing. I was just like, I want more of this. This is so good. And it was almost like Apollo was running away. And he was just like, it was almost like all that smoke he was talking about running up on him was running up on Big E from behind you know over the past couple of weeks all that smoke went away when biggie ran after him and started beating his beating his butt like oh my god it was so cool so the referees broke them up at this point which made me upset because i hate when the referees just come out of nowhere and break up fights like stop it let them go but whatever um this is gonna be amazing and it was just really interesting to see Big E get so angry like it's like I said last week, Big E is the type of person that you just don't want to make mad because they're so sweet and so nice and you shouldn't want to take advantage of them and, you know, walk all over their niceness and treat it as weakness. Because once you piss them off, they're ready to come at your head. And that's what Big E was expressing here. He was sick of it. And it was just so cool to see. But I'm scared 
that Biggie will let his emotions sort of get the best of him and Apollo will take advantage of that and finally take the Intercontinental Championship away from him with this new Nigerian attitude he has. So I don't know, but that segment was A1. I loved it. So then we had our main event involving Edge versus Jey Uso. And this was a pretty good match. And a lot of what they were doing throughout the night was talking about Edge's best moments on SmackDown. One of them was which when, when he announced that he was retiring um, from the WWE because of his neck injuries and stuff. And of course, you know, I may or may not have discussed the fact that I had seen Edge fight his quote-unquote last match at WrestleMania 27 that year in 2011 and that next week he was like I have to retire and it was just a lot and he wound up having to give up the World Heavyweight Championship off of that injury but they were talking about all the cool moments he had including the one he had where he was tag teaming with um the races formerly known as Hulk Hogan so yeah um they were showing all those moments and all the and the moment where he cashed in his money in the bank briefcase on The Undertaker too so this was Edge's first match um, on SmackDown in a very long time. So whoever was going to win this, you know, match was going to be the special enforcer for the Roman Reigns-Daniel Bryan match for the Universal title um, tomorrow at Fastlane. So Edge found himself on the receiving end of a targeted attack by Jey Uso, who was working over the ribs and working on um, his ribs throughout the whole match. And then Edge survived steel stairs and the ring post to the midsection as Jay attempted to drive the fight out of his opponent. Then Edge survived a super kick um, and caught Jay Uso with a spear to win the match and cash his ticket to Fastlane to be the special enforcer. And then after the match, he stared down Daniel Bryan, who was um, on commentary, and he was putting over both of the opponents in commentary as well, which I thought was really interesting here. So if Daniel Bryan ever retires from wrestling again and wants to be a commentator, I'd be here for it because he sounded very energetic. Um, and he, um, as after he was staring down Daniel Bryan, he was open up to a spear from Roman Reigns, who stood tall to close out the show. And this is a pretty solid way to sort of go into Fastlane here. But SmackDown is usually the most solid out of all the shows, you know. So this was really good here. So that's the end of the weekly recap. And now we're going to go to the conclusion. Alright, so thank you for listening to this 51st episode of the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Um, um, if you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram at Hardy Wrestling Podcast and follow me on Twitter at Hardy WrestlePod. And you can um, follow the Facebook page at um, Hardy Wrestling Podcast as well. And if you want to listen to the show, you can listen to it anywhere you get podcasts. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Tidal, maybe, Spotify, um, iHeartRadio, YouTube, um, Podbean, and so many different places you can listen to it. Um, So I just thank you guys so much for listening to my show and for actually, you know, um listening to what I have to say about wrestling it means the world to me because I know this week I was feeling a little bit down about um what I was doing but at the same time I appreciate the fact that I have people in my corner who want to you know support me and you know and tell me that what I do is actually a good thing 
So I appreciate, you know, everyone who continues to support me as this podcast continues to grow. Um, I'm going to say right now, I'm not exactly sure if I'm going to do an episode next week um, because there because I have something else that I need or probably want to do. Um, but in the meantime, in between time, I hope you watch Fastlane um, on Sunday. Well, tomorrow in my case. Well, in our case, tomorrow or basically just whenever and continue to watch everything heading into WrestleMania and find the parts of the WrestleMania and end of wrestling that you really love and don't let the negative stuff get to you because sometimes it can get really, really hard. So I suggest you just find, you know, what you love and just continue to move forward in that and enjoy, you know, what WrestleMania has to offer for you and just and wrestling in general outside of WWE and outside of AEW and, and, you know, Impact as well. So until next time, I hope you're staying safe and, you know, living your best life and being the light in the darkness. And until next time, this is Stephanie Hardy of The Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Bye, y'all.